Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Good evening and welcome to Fishhawk Live in the Great Lakes Fishing Fishing Podcast. Tonight we're joined by Trevor Sumption from Fishhawk Electronics, my boss. Trevor, thanks for coming on the show tonight. You must be getting you must be getting really desperate for guests. Like it's <laughs> getting getting that way. I think we've we've pretty much scraped the barrel, and uh, now we're at the bottom, and uh, we found you. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think uh, I think we, when we got an email about a week ago or two weeks ago from I actually wrote the gentleman's name down is uh, Steve Hanley from from somewhere north of the border, and and he asked if if we had a podcast that dealt specifically with with fishhawk, and and I was kind of like. Chris, do we have a podcast? That, you know, we're, we're both kind of like, uh, no, we've actually never done one. So. Right. And that, and that was something we talked about when we decided to do this is that we didn't want to make this podcast a 45-minute commercial for Fishhawk. We wanted to make it something to promote fishing. We wanted to get people excited about getting on the water and doing that type of thing. So uh, we've really kind of avoided doing that purposely. But uh, we do have some people out there that want to know more about the product, want to know more about the company. So that's why we're doing this tonight is kind of be able to get some of that information out there. And actually, I think I'm going to learn something tonight. So I'm pretty excited about, about uh, that as well. I don't think you I think like when we met, you know, so we've, we've been doing this two years, right? Two the, years. Yeah. The, the podcast. I, I think in like our initial meeting, I don't think you believe me when I said we're, you know, we want to do a fishhawk podcast, but we don't want it to be about fishhawk. So I, I don't know. So maybe, maybe I've uh, held true to my word. So, yeah, in my mind, when you said that, I went, "That's exactly what I want to hear." Because what you don't want is is somebody says, "Let's do a show that's a, a commercial for fishhawk or whatever right, product right. you're working with." So um, I was actually really happy to hear that and excited to hear that. Um, so. It's led us, and I think it's put us in a good position, and I think a lot of people are enjoying. I'm seeing the numbers on the podcast right now. People are enjoying listening to it and, and hearing about all the different destinations and different techniques that captains are using. So I think it's gone really well. Um, but tonight we're going to do something different. We are going to talk about Fishhawk. Right. And before we get started, I just want you to kind of take us back to when the earth cooled and uh, <laughs> give, give us an idea well, of, of the history of the company. Yeah, so it actually originated in the in the late '60s. Um, it came from a, it came from a, an aerospace background. Um, a gentleman that was that was working in for Raytheon um, at the time as a defense contractor, and so he had that's where he got the sonar experience. And and so Fishhawk actually as a company was one of the first companies to produce a flasher type unit, you know, like the original uh, Lawrence Green Box and. And I remember as a kid, you know, watching the, you know, the uh, Virgil Ward facts of fishing or fi fishing with Virgil Ward, a championship fishing with Virgil Ward it was. Um, but I remember, you know, even at that time, you know, Fishhawk was, you know, that was one of his sponsors. And that was the uh, the flasher unit, the sonar unit that he used back in the day. And and like I say, that goes back to to the uh, kind of late 60s through the through the 70s. And then, you know, about that same time they were you know the the big experiment where they started planting you know salmon into uh into lake michigan and and so that fishery was kind of starting to take hold and took off really fast and and those fish uh you know it, it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that those fish were super sensitive to temperature so just kind of the stars aligning and and uh and i wasn't uh, i actually wasn't alive uh in that era so 
Um, I can't say firsthand, but um, basically my understanding is, is that they, they uh, kind of took some of the things they, they learned or, you know, in their, uh, in their previous uh, work experience in the, doing the defense contracting and then of course with the fishing sonar and then they figured out how to send temperature wirelessly through the water on a sonar signal which is the same thing that we do today so um like i say the the technology itself i mean what how we communicate information from down below to back to the boat that theory of operation or that technology it, it honestly hasn't really changed um since the you know since the 1970s and uh, now, you know, everything that's kind of happened after that point has been a has been a continuation, you know, of those uh, those original products. So, uh, a unit that a lot of people would be familiar with. Uh, some of our uh, our uh, more mature customers would be familiar with would be like the Fishhawk 840. That unit came out um, right around 1980, uh, 81, I think, and actually was in continuous production all the way through 2002. So. There's not too many marine pro marine electronics products that can that can claim that you know that long of a lifespan, and then uh, the company uh, when uh, um, I acquired the company in 2009, um, and uh, this was actually from the son of the of the founder uh, who ran the company successfully for a long time. His name was Bill Sherwood, a super nice guy. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, but. Uh, Super great guy, and, and Bill had uh, maintained the company for a long time, and and um, you know had a very loyal uh, customer base, and uh, we were able to uh, kind of pick that up where, where Bill left off, and and develop some new product, and and uh, it's almost 2022 now, so that's that's the that's the uh, short version of the long story. Does that does that cover it for you? Yeah, I think so. That's something that you touched on there that that I found in the two years that I've been with you is that. Uh, you do have a loyal following. You have people who go to bat for you all the time. And there's very few times that, that I've worked for a lot of different companies in the social media space. And a lot of times you post things and, and you get a lot of negative uh, comments under it. And we just really, rarely, rarely see that. And oftentimes, usually it's people saying how great, great things are and how great the company that uh, Fishhawk, how it's run. So I think that's something that uh, since you've been, been with the company now since 2009, I think it's something that you can really hang your hat on. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's kind of a you know my experience in the industry started out in retail. Um, you know, worked for a, a really good uh, independent uh, retailer. Got a lot of experience there. You know, even more so than my college experience and, and whatever. I, I learned a lot more at retail than I did at, did in college, honestly. Uh, then went to work as a manufacturer's rep and things like, and uh, you know, worked for some really good lines there. Um, you know, Shimano, Pradco, some some big companies. And, um, you know, that was the one thing you kind of saw is, is the, the customer service side of it was always just a really key component of it. And, and I actually, uh, I kind of have a retail uh, mentality on that where, you know, the, the good independent retailers out there, you know, those guys are successful because they, because they take care of the people that come through their door. And, and I think that that was probably the most valuable lesson that I learned at, at retail and have tried to, uh, bring that through, you know, certainly into this company. And, and I kind of jokingly say that, you know, everything I've needed to know for, you know, to run this company, you know, I learned in kindergarten and, and maybe a little bit in the movie Tommy Boy, but uh, mostly in kindergarten where that's, the, you know, the old golden rule thing. And it's kind of business one-on-one stuff. And we've stuck to that and it's, and it's worked out really well for us. So what are you taking from Tommy Boy? We're just talking about uh, 
sticking our head in wrong places or what, what's, yeah. what's the big <laughs> there's, there's so there's so many you know life business and sales lessons in that movie i, I don't even, i couldn't even i couldn't even start I, I can i can quote most of it but you know you know from memory but uh but uh yeah so that's probably not what uh it's probably not what my uh college professors would like to hear <laughs> but uh, uh, there's there's a there's an element of truth in it so well, uh, like you said, you've been developing some products. Let's go through the product line real quick. Tell us a little bit about the four current models of, of Fishhawk systems. Well, let's start with the with the um, the X4. The X4 was the that was the first product that that we came out with, um, and the X4, you know, is based very heavily on the old 840, um, doing the same thing just with modern components. You know, we we we, um, you know, you know being developed essentially in the early eighties, you know, a lot had changed in that period of time. So, so we, we really took exactly, you know, most of the things that we did uh, on the 840 and then, uh, and then developed that just using modern components, uh, modern layouts, things like that. And, and that, so that was the first unit that, that we introduced in, in 09. Uh, the second product that we introduced on our own was uh, the Fishhawk TD. Uh, and that was a direct replacement for the old Fishhawk 520. You know, and I should have brought some of these things with me to, to actually show. I, uh, I I opted not to go back to the office tonight, so I'm in my basement. But um, the old Fishhawk 520, that was the 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 real version. So it was a, basically a, uh, a handheld reel that you would strip the line out, uh, and there was a temperature probe that uh, it would it either there was two models came with 100 feet of cable or 200 feet of cable, and all that did was just show you temperature. That was just temperature as an analog temperature gauge. But the Fishhawk TD we we designed to replace that product, where then uh, it was something that you could drop down through the water column, and it gives you that that snapshot of what the the temperature profile is. So you get the the temperature every five feet. So that was the second product we came out with. That was about. 2010 maybe 11 um and then the the next product was the first yeah there you go there's the there's the td um next product was the uh the uh, the first version of the uh, x4d um, which was uh it uh, it was originally the x4 plus depth it didn't look quite like that it didn't have the the bluetooth compatibility um, but that was the first one that introduced uh, probe depth. Uh, that was a feature that you know that we got asked for consistently. Um, was uh, you know the, the the depth based on water pressure. Canon actually had a had a product out that did that same thing. And, and when that kind of went away on the market, there was there was definitely people looking for that. So that's uh, that's when we did that original plus depth version, which now became which became the the uh, the X4D with the Bluetooth, which is still the current product. So. Um, so yeah, the, the, the kind of the, the three primary products uh, that, are the, that uh, we've had for a while, um, you know, they've actually been in the market now since about, uh, you know, starting in 2009, um, about 2012. So that, that stuff's been around a while. We're going on a, a decade on that stuff. And then uh, about uh, three years ago, two years, yeah, three years ago, we introduced the X2 and that's a, that's a portable version. Uh, we're still using the same probe. Uh, different uh, different uh, transducer setup um, it allows you to move that from boat to boat. Also gives you the option of using it with or without a downrigger, and that was in direct response to feedback we were getting from the you know from the walleye market on Lake Erie, where lots of anglers who fish on Lake Erie also fish Lake Ontario or Lake Michigan for salmon, and they were you know really the techniques and everything were were really pretty similar. So they already had the, they already had kind of the 
the uh, they understood that the importance of, of speed specifically um, but also some temperature too but they but they were really dialed in on the on the speed part of it already and uh, and applied that to their walleye fishing whether it was with uh, weighted lines like leg core uh, you know some of their flat line crankbait fishing some of those kind of things so uh, that's the x2 that's the most recent addition to the line and that kind of brings us to where we are today where we've got the the three units the x4 the x4d with the bluetooth uh, the X2, those are kind of the three systems. And then we've got, the, we still have the TD in the line, which is the, you know, the handheld device. Well, uh, Eric Modney, one of our friends from Toronto, has joined the show uh, via YouTube. We also got uh, Mike from YouTube saying the X4D is awesome. He loves his. If anyone has any questions for Trevor on uh, Fishhawk, feel free to drop a line and we will try our best as best we can to get those answered. Um, Trevor, can we walk through? I'm going to pull up the feature chart real quick. And if you can kind of go through and, and just kind of tell us why would somebody choose an X4 over an X4D or an X4D over an X4? Let's kind of take a look at those two models and yeah, kind of sure. the differences there first. I guess let's start with maybe the most critical piece of information or the most critical information is obviously the information down below your, your probe information, the information at depth. Uh, so that's going to be, you know, um, all the models are going to give you the, the systems now. Um, so the, the X2, the X4, the, the X4D, um, all, all the models are going to give you your speed down with the probe and that's mechanical speed. So we're just simply counting the revolutions of that little paddle wheel down there. So you get mechanical speed at the probe and then you're also getting temperature at the probe. Those are the two critical pieces of, of information, and and between the two, um, you know, we I usually get you know we usually get this question, you know, what's more important, speed or temperature? Uh, I think the answer to that is it depends. But if it were me personally, I would pick speed. Um, speed to me is is the most critical piece of information uh, that we provide. What I tell people a lot is that temperature will tell me where I don't want to fish. It'll help me eliminate water where there probably aren't going to be fish. Um, but speed is what lets me repeat what's working and kind of develop a pattern. So um, that's that's how I that's how I view it. Um, there's different opinions on it. I think it's going to change. Um, you know, that'll differ by probably times of the year and things like that. So, um, but that's your kind of year. We'll we'll call that the bottom line. The, you know, with the probe being the, the bottom line. So uh, they're all going to give you that that speed and temperature. So that throws in the optional piece of information, which is the probe depth. Uh, and that's what the X4D gives you that the others don't. And that probe depth is based on water pressure. So there's a there's a pressure sensor built into the probe. So the depth that, that displays on screen is the true depth that the probe is underwater. So it's not, you know, it's, it's not a sonar depth or something like that. Um, it's actually how far the probe really is. And, and again, that's based on water pressure. That's information that, you know, I think it's nice to have information. I'm real open about telling people I don't think it's critical information. I don't, you know, we fished for a long time without it. And there's a lot of really good fishermen that don't care about it because all they do is they repeat what they did the prior day or they repeat what's working. So I don't think it's the most critical piece of information uh, by any means, um, but it is, a, it is a, a nice to have type thing. And actually, from a sales perspective, we actually sell more of the X4Ds now than we do of the X4s, and that's been this that's been the case for about um, probably the last three seasons or so. So, um, again, uh, it's 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 a nice to have. Uh, I don't consider it a, a critical one. Um, the X4 and the X4D will also give you your surface information based on the transducer. 
So you're going to get your surface temperature and surface speed. And that and the, the surface speed, I'll kind of point out, that's mechanical speed. That, that can be a fickle one because mechanical speed, it has a lot to do with transducer placement and how the water runs underneath your boat. So that number can actually vary quite a bit by setup. So I would say that of all the, you know, the, the pieces of information on that we're giving you, um, that surface speed number that we that we provide you is probably the least important because you've got speed over ground probably or you, you know almost everybody has gps um and so you've got your speed over ground there that's a really good measure for your surface speed um so that uh you know we, we provide that but uh, it's probably the least important thing we we provide the x2 unit um that one doesn't give you any of the surface information it only gives you the down information so it gives you your it gives you your your probe temp and your probe speed so that's kind of the that's kind of the breakdown at the at the high level um, where as far as what the as far as the data that it's actually providing so that's what we kind of walk people through ask them what they're looking for um, and uh, you know try and get a feel you know try and get a feel for just just how much information that they that they really want to see and, and that's how we kind of use you know what we use to break that out uh, the the other thing that kind of comes into play sometimes uh, is uh, depending on what your setups are um the x4d unit that's the one that has the bluetooth radio on board so that's the one that will communicate you know either to your mobile device it interacts uh, or that's the one that hooks up with uh, the canon optimum downriggers gives you that bluetooth networking capability so that's uh, that's uh, um, that may be you know one of the reasons why we sell more of the x4ds than we do with the x4s is just for people that want that uh, you know that want that bluetooth optionality so yeah, the uh, let's get into the X2 a little bit here before I, we're starting to get some good questions coming up. We'll get to those in a second. But uh, the other thing that I think that the X2 brings that, and we're seeing more and more people go to that, is you know it's more for the guy who's going to use his fish hawk this weekend and then next weekend he's going to do the inland lake, or maybe he wants mm -hmm. to be able to take it on a buddy's boat. So there's no permanently uh, mounted transducer there. Can you right. kind of talk about how that system works on the X2? Yeah, so that was uh, if if we would say a. Uh, uh, a typical fishhawk customer that's really changed a lot even in the last 10 years that's changed a lot where we're you know most of the product we sell now ends up on multi-species boats most of them are aluminum most of them are, are 20 feet or less so they're they're smaller trailer boats that's that's where most of the most of our product is, is going now where historically it's always been to a big uh, you know traditional great lakes boat that that goes in the water in the spring and comes out uh you know the weekend after labor day type thing so historically that was our business and and now really you know within the last 10 years that that's shifted really rapidly um to the to the trailer boat market and and that's what uh that's what the what the x2 lets you do so you know you might be you know on lake michigan you know one weekend and then you're you're on an inland lake you know tubing with the kids the next weekend things like that so that's uh that's really you know one of the reasons that was one of the big pushes in developing that unit along with what we were seeing you know hearing from the guys on lake erie that don't use downriggers so they wanted a way to get the speed and temp without you without having to use a downrigger because they don't really need it um so those were really the two things that, that pushed the development of the x2 and and uh it's a great unit i mean it's it's actually you know personally it's 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 kind of the unit that i actually use a lot um you know there's there's a few you know there's trade-offs with everything and, and that's one thing about our product line you don't really see a lot of difference at price i mean the, the units are all relatively you know they're priced relatively close so we're not designing products to to fit a specific price point we're designing them to fit a need 
So, you know, an X2 really isn't very much cheaper than X4. In fact, it'll be the same price as an X4 going forward here uh, into into 22. But um, it, it's just designed for a different application where it, it has that slip reducer setup, which rides uh, either on the downrigger cable uh, or on a, a rod setup if you're not uh, uh, using a uh, using a downrigger. But uh, it has the slip reducer, you know, versus our traditional um, transom mounted transducer, which does require some care and feeding. There's no question about that. There's there's an extra step there. So there, there's you know I would say that's not as convenient as a trans transom mounted transducer. But for somebody in the use situation, like we talked about, where they're on a multi-species boat or maybe they're fishing you know, inland or, you know, whatever, they're pulling all that trolling stuff off the boat. That's, that's, it's still a, it's a really good solution for, for that person. We're starting to get some questions pouring in. Let's, uh, let's go to some guest questions here before I go on with uh, some more of my questions that I wrote, but uh, let's go with this one's Ken Rodenhouse from YouTube. He has an 840 unit. He took off the boat, put away in a box. Is there any way that he can test it on dry land? Yeah. So there's actually a, a video can on the site um, that if you, if you look at, uh, if you go to the Fishhawk website and you go to videos and then uh, there's uh, the troubleshooting videos, you can, there's a, a troubleshooting video that you can watch. It'll actually show you exactly how to do that. But basically you can activate that probe. You can plug in the transducer. Um, I think it might be, yeah, that one right there, troubleshooting, no probe readings. So that, that same process you could use to see if your if your uh, if that unit is sending um, still in, in the box. So uh, watch that video and that, that'll detail that. But yes, the, to answer the question, yes, you can do it. It's a lot more fickle. I mean, remember all this stuff is designed, you know, sound travels a lot better in water than it does in air. So all these tests that we do on dry land through air, they don't, uh, they, they're, they're you know they, they have to be done right otherwise you know you may not get the the proper result out of it so uh the the probe has to be held really it's got to be still and it's got to be really close to the transducer for that to transmit through air uh, especially even more so than 840 because it doesn't have the the transmit power that the that the uh, x4 or x2 you know series of products do so jamie shane on facebook we're going to save your question for the end of the show uh oh, that must, the that, end must, of the show. that must be a showstopper. <laughs> did, did you already pick your swag winner? Is it, is it, is it predetermined at this point or what? No, it's just it's a common question, and uh, we're going to save that one for the end. Mm. Rod T from over from YouTube, he wants to know if the X2 will ever have a hookup to the boat battery. At this point, we have no plans on making a hookup for the, for the battery, no. All right. Tiffany Ward just wants to send you kudos, basically just saying uh, greatest customer support, saved her fiance a weekend of fishing. So add a boy to the crew, add a boy and girls to the crew over at Fishhawk. We got Curtis Douglas. Here's another question that we get quite a few times. Uh, anything in the works being able to potentially run multiple probes, get the data at different depths at the same time? There really isn't. We've, we've got a lot of things in the works, um, but uh, but no, we don't have anything in development for the, the for a multiple probe setup. Um, we actually had one. Fishhawk had one in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, you know, it was met with kind of measured success at that point. But, you know, really kind of the the kind of the two the two things that that push that further down our development list typically are um, the compromises that we have to make in order to do it. Um, you know, they're there's just a few, you know, compromises that, you know, we would rather do one really well than than do half, you know, or than do two kind of kind of halfway. Uh, there's that part of it, and then the other part of it is just, you know, simply a numbers thing where there's certainly there's certainly, you know, 
like like the asker i mean there certainly are you know avid users that, that would look for that two probe system but there's still a lot of users that are that are so concerned about losing one probe that uh, that that's that's actually kind of a, a you know a barrier to entry for those people so there's kind of that's kind of a two kind of a two part you know we've definitely explored it we've and like i said we fish a cat at once upon a time um, but uh, that that's the reason that it's not in active development at this point all right, here's a new customer, Alexander, over on uh, YouTube. Says he fishes Lake Michigan. He's got an X4D arriving this week. Any important cool. information you would provide a new user regarding installation or using the X4D? I think the biggest thing, Alexander, is take a look at the um, – actually, I, I give people a hard time sometimes. I, I'm guilty of it myself, so I'm, I'm not really throwing stones. But, but actually read the instructions that come in there and especially look at there's an illustration that shows your, your recommended transducer, uh, recommended transducer locations. And um, I, I laugh because I talked to three different guys today, you know, that were having uh, issues when they were fishing in deeper water or fishing faster. And, and all three of them had the same problem where they had buried the transducer behind a kicker motor. and. Uh, so I, that's why I kind of chuckle at that one. But I would say the, first, the the biggest thing would be to take a look at that diagram, get a plan for um, for uh, you know where you want to put the transducer, and if if you've got any questions, by all means ask us. And we we added live chat to our site. Um, I don't know, was it this year or maybe last year? Can't remember. Anyways, uh, we added live chat to the to the website here. Um, you know, within the last season, and uh, that's been an awesome tool because it, it you know it comes to Steve or myself. And uh, you know we can we can answer those questions for you real quick. And a really good thing to do actually with uh, when it comes to mounting like that, if you have any question at all, and most of the time it is fairly straightforward. I mean, you, you'll be able to figure it out from that diagram 90% of the time. But in that 10% case where you're just not quite sure, and maybe you got a lot going on back there, you know, maybe you got a bunch of transducers or some trim tabs, things like that. You know, snap a wide angle picture of the transom and uh, send it to us, and, and we'll we'll mark we'll. We'll X marks the spot on your photo and tell you exactly where you know where we think that transducer should go, where it's gonna you know where it's gonna work best for you. But other than that, it's a super simple install. It's um, it's it's easier than installing a fish finder um, from that perspective. So it's uh, it's a you know it's a pretty pretty easy process. So. All right, here's a question. I actually had this one written down for later in the show, but we'll we'll break it out right now from Tiffany over on Facebook. Is it important to calibrate your surface speed so that your GPS is the same? If, if there was one thing I would change in the design of our units, I would take the calibration feature out. Uh, and I say that it, that's not a, that's not a right or wrong answer, but, um, but in, in our opinion, strongly, um, we would say, no, it's not important to calibrate to your speed over ground. And the reason we say that is because all we do is we just count how many times around the little paddle wheel spins. Okay. So all we're doing is is just counting that mechanically every time it goes around. So my canned line that I always repeat over and over again is, is that I don't care if that number is two or 200. All I care about is where I caught fish because that's what I want to get back to. So if the number is 200, all I know I need to do at that point is get back to 200. So it doesn't really matter um, what the number is because again, what we're providing is we're providing that mechanical representation of speed. Um, you know, without getting too far in the weeds in it, you know, we we even briefly considered, you know, having A, B, C, D, E, I mean, you know, actually doing it, new, uh, you know, through with letters because it's just a, something easier to look at. Now, we, that's a pretty, that would be a kind of a pretty wild departure, I think. But, um, but that that's just, that, that's kind of how, 
that's how we look at it. And uh, most of the time when we when we talk to folks on the phone, you know, through support or whatever, if they're ha- a lot of times if they're having troubles calibrating things, whatever, um, what we do is we do a hard reset. We set it right back to factory settings, tell them to fish it that way. And uh, and everybody's happy at that point. So. All right. A couple of different uh, comments coming in on that. One is Nick. And I know Nick's a guy that we've been talking to over the last couple of days. I'm basically just saying kind of the same thing that, that Tiffany was asking, uh, saying that uh, the speed over ground kind of goes all over the place. Um, what, what's, what, what do you, what do you got for Nick? Uh, from the transducer. So that, that one goes back to that um, kind of what we talked about in the, in the, um, the feature part of it where that transducer, you know, the placement on the transom and, and how water moves under the boat, um, that, that's what's impacting that uh, that transducer speed. In most cases, your trans, your mechanical transducer, you know, the, the fishhawk transducer, in most cases that that will read that will be significantly faster. It'll show as significantly faster than what you spe- see on your speed over ground. So what I always do from a practical standpoint is uh, I won't I won't reference that number. Um, what I'll do is I'll actually on a calm day I'll I'll bring the, I'll make sure everything's at, at default number one. So I'll have everything zeroed back out. Uh, I'll lower that probe down about ten feet on a calm day. I'll compare that to my speed over ground on my GPS, and it's typically going to be within a couple tenths of a mile an hour, if not right on. And uh, that just verifies that everything's kind of where I want it. And at that point, I just fish that you know right at the again fish it right at the factory zero. All right, uh, here's one from Ken once again. He's got an X4D. He says uh, sometimes it varies. He wonders if his pancake weights are swimming around. What do you guys recommend as far as weights on the downrigger uh, with, with the probe? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think what the different weights do is they, they change the, you know, I would call it the um, the attack angle or the, the approach angle of the probe in the water. So, you know, that's what we've seen um, with different style weights is, is is they all they all fish differently, and and it's not that one fish is right or wrong by any by any means. It's just they fish differently. So that's why we, you know, that's why you hear a lot of times, you know, fish your own numbers or fish your own program, um, because no two boats are the same. And that's that's the other kind of main calibration question or challenge that that we run into is is when people try to calibrate across boat. You know, they try to calibrate to you know, their buddy's boat and they think they're trolling the same and everything looks the same. Well, it, it's just, it never works that way. It's never exactly the same. That, that approach angle isn't the same and that affects how that paddle wheel behaves in the water. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, um, you know, the weights themselves. Uh, I don't know that we have a preferred one. I, I've always, you know, personally just used the, uh, you know, just used um, kind of the cheapest uh, round balls that, that I could find. Uh, they seem to track they seem to track fine. However, now with, uh, you know, with a lot of people fishing heavier weights, then it's probably more important to, you know, the, to get some more streamlined weights or things like that. But, uh, um, that's just, that's just a personal thing on, on, on my part. And, and I do not claim to be the, uh, uh, do not claim to be the, we work with a lot of great fishermen. I don't claim to be one of them. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, haven't got this question yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's come. We, we see it all the time. Uh, the X4 and the X4D, they're both permanently mounted products. Are the transducers and probes interchangeable? Can you use one with the other? How does that work? Because we hear yeah, that question all the time. Yeah, so everything's the same. Um, the, the probe isn't the same. So the probe is actually different um, only because the X4D probe has the pressure sensor on board. Um, 
but it can still talk to an X4. It's just not going to. There's just nowhere for that. Uh, the firmware isn't uh, isn't the same, and there's nowhere for the depth to display. So, but as far as the units themselves go, they all operate at 70 kilohertz, whether it's an X4, X2, or X4D. So they're all in. They're all in. And actually, even back to the 840s and 800s, the 800 was the predecessor of the 840. So everything still runs at 70 kilohertz. And 70. And the reason we use 70 kilohertz is is it's a pretty unique frequency. Uh, nobody else really uses it. It's very wide. So you've got a, you know, think of your your probe down in the water. Think of it like an upside down ice cream cone. So it's it's the exact opposite of your sonar unit where. And, you know, it's it's narrow at the probe, and then the deeper it goes, the the wider the signal goes, and that's what that 70 kilohertz uh, frequency does. It provides you a, a a wide angle there, which means you know your your probe blowback and things like that. That's what's that's what kind of compensates for that is that is that wide angle. Um, but uh, yeah, to answer the question, they're they're all interchangeable, uh, even back to the even back to the stuff that's older than me. So, and that 70 kilohertz isn't something that other electronics are using on your boat, so you're not going to have any interference that way. Yeah, there's there's some stock Garmin units now that I have uh, that have like a, a 77 kilohertz transducer in it, um, which is a dual frequency. It'll be like a 200 and a 70 and a 77. So there's things out there that are that are close, um, but the 70 is 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 fairly unique to is fairly unique to us, uh, and it works really good for our application. All right, uh, I see you're wearing a Canon shirt today. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that's a fluke. So that, that, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have, I have a yeah. All right. So uh, Fishhawk partnered up with Canon a few years ago to create the Optimum. And that's mm -hmm. a downrigger that displays Fishhawk data right at the rigger. Uh, you need to have a Fishhawk display you if you've got that. Yeah, you do. So the, the you need to have the Fishhawk display because that's where we're processing the data, number one. And that's where the Bluetooth radio is, number two. So Bluetooth is... is is a fancy branded word for radio, and that's really what what Bluetooth is—a is radio signal. The, the the radio transmitter is in the display head, so we 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 process the data and then we transmit that out on the Bluetooth on the Bluetooth signal, and then uh, and then that's the that's what communicates with uh, with the optimum. All right, I was out with Captain Richard Hajeki a couple weeks ago. Speaking of great fishermen, mm -hmm. and uh, he had the uh, hummingbirds on there and had all the fishhawk data on the hummingbirds. What needs to happen to be able to make that happen so you can get those all those screens throughout the boat with with that data on there? Yeah, that that's a pretty cool deal because there's really not a lot that needs to happen if you have the equipment. So if you have the fishhawk and you have the optimum, and then you have the the hummingbird unit. So whether it be the uh, G4 uh, Helix units, the, the new Solux units. If you've got those three, if you've got those three things, it's it's wireless. It's it's all done via Bluetooth. So there's no there's no you know hardwiring that has to be done to you know to accomplish that. So that's really kind of one of the beauties of that, and that's part of you know what uh, what um, you know Canon Hummingbird called the the one boat network. That's all you know. That's that's how that uh, that how that that's how that lives. So it doesn't require any extra cabling or anything. So that's that's really kind of the, the beauty of, of of that setup. All right, Tiffany Ward's back, and mm -hmm. uh, this time she wants to know if you're fishing alongside another boat who's also running a fishhawk, is it possible to pick up their probe reading uh, if you're running your probe deeper? Possible, yes. And the reason I say that is because I've run over lost probes before. Uh, and actually, and actually picked them up, so there was no speed. But I would pick a temperature off them. It's possible, but it's pretty, it's pretty unlikely. It's going to grab, the, it's going to go for the strongest signal, which is obviously going to be the one that, that's on your boat. Uh, and you would have to be uncomfortably close, 
uncomfortably close for for that to happen. I have seen it happen in marinas, which is kind of interesting. I, I have seen I've seen sonar interference in marinas where if boats are backed in back back to back, I have seen it where if the fishhawk display is on, there's readings coming up on the bottom where it's actually picking up noise that's in the harbor. But in an actual fishing situation on the water, uh, I think you'd have to be so uncomfortably close that uh, that it's really not a not a uh, not a real concern. All right. Uh, one of the things that I think if people have gone to our website a lot this year, one of the things that they've noticed is that we've been out of product. Uh, what's going on <laughs> with that front as far as getting getting more fish hawks on the shelves? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's been good. I mean, we've actually um, it's it's one of those good problems to have. I mean, this is this has been a, a record sales year for us from, you know, really not even close. Uh, so we've actually been producing product the entire time. Uh, everything we're producing, even at this point still, is spoken, you know, it's spoken for, you know, from dealers, you know, dealers often give, you know, dealers are ordering product right now for, you know, for next uh, next spring and summer already. Um, but uh, it's a combination of that, you know, with a lot of demand, a lot of participation and a lot of increase in participation um, in the last couple of years uh, with the whole pandemic situation, whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, and then you combine that with, uh, with component availability that that's, you know, our biggest challenge company wide is getting, is getting the parts and pieces we need to, we need to build it. And, and what those parts and pieces are, they're, they're simple things. They're, they're resistors and capacitors and, and things like that. And, and, you know, we, we compete for those on a global market and, uh, uh, I'm not uh, ashamed to say that we're uh, we are a very small fish in a big pond. So when uh, when you hear news stories that uh, GM isn't getting their microchips, uh, un unfortunately, uh, I think Fishhawk usually falls a little bit further down the line uh, in the allocation of who gets what. So uh, it's been a real challenge to get those electronic components. Uh, we recognized that pretty early in the season. I mean, we you know the writing was on the wall when we started placing orders and and our you know the the electronics component manufacturers were giving us lead times out into June of 23, uh, where we, we kind of, the writing was on the wall. So we, we actually, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to be in, uh, we're, that we're going to be in good position next year, just based on the fact that everything we need to build product um, for next season, you know, to our forecast, uh, we ordered in, in May of this year. And so that that's actually starting to, starting to come to fruition now. Um, but it's a, uh, it's, it's going to, you know, I think industry-wide, uh, even, you know, outside of the fishing industry, uh, I, you know, honestly, the supply chain impacts, you know, I, you know, my personal opinion is that they're going to be around for, you know, at least another 12 months is, is you know, by all indications that, that we see. So. All right. Uh, here's one from Facebook from Jason. He's getting his first fish hawk in a week. He's getting an X2. What's the biggest mistake newbies make? Um, I would say just don't, don't overcomplicate it. I mean, the number is the number. There's no such thing as a magic number. And this goes back to the calibration thing probably a little bit. But, um, you know, all we're doing is it's it's just a it's just a little paddle wheel and we're just counting how many times it goes around. So um, if, if you're just if you take it for what it is and, and you pay attention to say, OK, well, I just got a strike and, uh, you know, my probe said I was going two, three down below. Well, they just told you what they wanted. So just repeat that number. I mean, that's the thing. And, and, and as you have su some success doing that, you'll develop that confidence where 
you know, at that point, it, it you know, it's easier to it's easier to trust the the unit at that at that at that point. But it's I mean, of all the pieces of electronics on your boat, it's really, really probably the simplest thing you have on your boat. I mean, it's a lot simpler than a fish finder. It's a lot simpler than your your GPS chart plotter. Um, so, you know, just uh, take that number for, for what it is when you when you start having some success, duplicate that. Don't get locked into it by any means. And what I mean is, is, you know, you still have to, you know, that's the fishing part of it is, is figuring out what the fish want on that given day. Um, so you, you can't, you can't say that, you know, because you caught them doing two, three yesterday that you're going to catch them going two, three tomorrow that sometimes that works, but a lot of times it doesn't. Um, so, you, you know, that's the fishing part of it where you, you have to figure that out on, on any given day. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, um, I would keep it simple. And, and that's one thing, um, you know, you mentioned uh, fishing with Rick here a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, the one thing you, I've had a real, I've had a lot of opportunities to fish with a lot of really good guys, and that's the one thing all of them share in common. They all do something a little bit differently, but the thing that they all share in common is their attention to detail and they repeat things. I mean, they don't forget anything. They know what their bearing is. They know what their speed is. They know, you know, all those kind of details. They, they, you know, they pay attention to them and uh and they don't uh there's no they're not guessing they 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 know what you know they know what's been working for them so all right got a couple questions now coming in uh with the probes larry says uh, he cracked a probe he got a replacement didn't have the breakaway cable it had two snaps of the split ring should he be using the cable and then before you answer that uh, captain matt benning was on last week uh what's the maximum downrigger weight you can use before the safety cable is going to break yeah, so those are those are timely questions because they kind of go uh, they kind of go hand in hand. So we uh, a couple of years ago, I think two years ago, we stopped doing the the um, the kind of the 12 inch uh, wire leader there. Uh, reason being is is that a lot of people are using heavier weights and uh, the downriggers are also faster now. Where uh, you know guys, you know people would be upset upset when their breakaway would you know would break. You know, kind of there's a lot of shock, a lot of strain on that system. Uh, with a heavy weight and and obviously you know we get it those weights are expensive and and uh, um, you know we don't you know don't want to put anybody in that situation so what we did to replace that is uh, is a simpler setup which is the the double snap swivel with that heavy duty split ring in the middle and that pulls apart right around 90 pounds or so that split ring will fail around 90 pounds um, and uh, where the the breakaway cable was you know roughly the same but there was there was you know more variation with it and that and that breakaway cable was was subject to wear over time uh, where you know that's when you know sometimes they could potentially fail but really what that was is the shock in the cable where you know if you're coming off a big wave or you've got a really fast downrigger with a uh, with a um, uh, heavyweight, you know, a lot of guys are in mean, 15s aren't really considered heavyweights anymore. There's a lot of people fishing 20s, some people fishing 25s, um, things like that. So that that's what we see. That's what we saw. That's what we were experiencing. And, that, and that's why we made that change at the time uh, to answer Matt's question about the maximum weight. Um, you know, if you start getting uh, above, you know, if you're fishing 14s or heavier, you know, I, I would I think you're, um, you know, kind of asking for for trouble with uh, with that uh, um, with the. Uh, the old school, the old style uh, wire leader. So um, I would say, you know, if you're fishing anything that's maybe above your standard 12 pound weight that you might want to consider going to the double snap setup or a, uh, or a snubber setup, you know, we offer one that the warrior lures makes for us. Um, so there's that Dreamweaver makes a good one. Scotty makes a good one. Uh, those snubber setups are nice because they introduce a uh, kind of a level of shock absorption there into the, to the system. And, and, 
when people, that's the other thing too, is I mean, most people are not fishing their probes near the bottom for obvious reasons. Um, so it's really not, it, it's really not a matter of hanging a probe up on the bottom uh, the vast majority of the time. It's a matter of protecting the cable. So most probes that are lost are lost because the cable snaps, not because you hang up on the bottom. And it's that shock absorption piece um, that those uh, that those snubber products um, provide. That's that's I think where 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 those pay kind of pay dividends. All right, we're gonna put an end to the the guest or the uh, uh, the public questions. I got two more questions for you, and then uh, I'll let you kind of close us out here. But uh, Fish Hawk makes a great product. Well, one of the things that I see, at least working with you guys, that uh, kind of sets you apart is the customer service. And I know that's something that you and and the people in the office with Steve uh, working this spring and Karen you guys have really put a lot of work into making that even better. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've got coming up on that front and what's, what's been happening now? Yeah. I mean, we, we just been using, you know, as we put more and more product in the field every year, it, it just gets more difficult to stay on top of that. Um, as far as just the, just the number of contacts. So, you know, all of a sudden you put, you know, 10,000 more pieces in, in the field every year, um, you know, whether it's probes or whatever, um, and, you know, that starts to add up where, um, you know, over time it, it becomes a, a bigger and bigger challenge. So our answer to that has been, you know, technology um, where, you know, we we put the live chat in. That, that features are great. I think a lot of people uh, are more comfortable with the, the chat features now. You know, you see them, you know, you see them uh, in a lot of places. Uh, and the, the thing that we do with the chat is it's not routed to it's not routed to a. Um, you know, to a call center or anything, it, it's actually coming to us. So it's Steve or it's myself uh, that's answering those chats. And, and uh, you know, we're able to, I mean, we get a lot of them on the water, I mean, uh, which is been really great. So people are on the water, they have an issue, questions, whatever. Um, that's really the simplest way to, to connect on that is to, is to just go up a chat. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, it's probably an age thing, you know, where, you know, our, you know, customers maybe under the age of uh, under the age of 50 or, or seem to be more comfortable with it and engage with the, the chat really well. Um, but uh, it's simple enough that really anybody can use it. And, and that's been a big help. And then just the things that we're trying to do uh, that we do. Uh, so you pulled up the, the service forum there just in those kind of those contact forms where if we can get if we can get all your information at one time where we don't have to make multiple contacts to do that, that really speeds up the process for everybody where, um, you know, we can, you know, even as busy as we are, you know, during this time of year with peak season, we still turn product around within 24 hours. So most of the time, if we get your product in the morning, uh, we have it turned back around in the afternoon if we have all your contact information. So uh, what kind of slows that process down is if we, if we have to hunt for that or things like that, because it, it, it's kind of amazing, but um, you know, I don't, I don't consider it an inexpensive product, but you know, we get stuff a lot of times in packages that we have no idea who it's from. There's no notes. There's no nothing like that in there. So that really slows the process down as far as us being able to get your stuff back to you quickly. But the things we're doing technology-wise with the chat, you know, with uh, the email forms and things like that, it just makes it for a smoother process and it, and it lets us. Uh, uh, it really has been a big help in, in keeping up and, and maintaining the maintaining the turnaround speed and everything. You know, even when we are super busy like we are right now. All right, Captain Jamie Shane from Sporty Two Charters asked earlier, like right when we went on the air, this question, and I wanted to save it to the end. Hopefully he's still watching, but uh, this is probably my most common question I get on social media right now, and that's uh, what's coming out new from Fishhawk? What's on the horizon? Everybody well, wants to know. 
So we've actually been working on stuff for a long time. I mean, product development done right takes uh, takes a long time. And then on top of that, it takes a year longer than you think it will. And especially right now, where, you know, I'd mentioned the whole component situation uh, earlier. Uh, th that's made product development a lot tougher. But um, but yes, we've got we've got quite a bit of new product coming uh, that we're that we anticipate for, you know, you know, cross my fingers. Hopefully, hopefully, this supply issues start to remedy themselves here in the next year. But you know, so we're hoping for 23 that that we'll have uh, you know quite a bit of new product. The one thing that we always try to do with new product that um, that I think is a little different from some electronics companies is is we're really big on backwards compatibility. So when we when we build something, we want it to work with product that's already out there in the field and that and that whole and that that continues with uh, the things that we're working on right now so you know much in the same way that that we took you know what was out there a good product in the 840 you know the old 840 units the black probes and made it better with the x4s you know that's always our goal is to keep advancing it and 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 there's new technologies out there um that uh you know we think are going to work great in the products and and uh that's what we're that's what we're uh, working on right now and and uh, hopefully this this supply chain thing gets this gets ironed out here in the next 12 months or so where we're we're able to do that so all right trevor now it's your turn anything that i didn't ask you that you wanted to bring up tonight and you wanted to talk about yeah i think we kind of hit it I, I think this is maybe uh this will be into the uh maybe into the not fish hawk related stuff but uh you know, we've had some situations in the in the office with some of our personnel this year um, where they're going through some really you know, tough things in their life on a personal level as far as, you know, uh, kind of expecting the unexpected with with, you know, not not necessarily related to pandemics, but, you know, illnesses and sick children and things like that. So I guess uh, I guess one of the things I've kind of taken away from those from kind of those those challenges that those people have, have been going through is is that don't wait to do this stuff. So if you've got a fishing trip that you want to do, or you've got some activities that you need that you want to do uh, outdoor stuff specifically, because that's the world we live in, and that's what we uh, you know that's where you know where we find our joy and recreation. You know, don't wait to do that stuff. And and I, th I think about like the trip you took a couple of weeks ago with uh, with your dad and, and your son, and, and you went out and did a Lake Erie Lake Ontario tour. You know, if you've got the opportunity to do that stuff, you know, you need to do it. Uh, don't wait for retirement. Don't wait till this is over. That's over. You know, uh, do it. And, and uh, like I say, that's that's coming from some personal experiences we've had this summer where, you know, we've had some staff that have been in real bad situations with with illness and things like that. And and uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that stuff needs to happen. That needs to be a that needs to be a priority in your life. So. Yeah, we are planning an Isle Royal trip for next spring. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down with that. Now that now that you're a, now that you're a proud boat owner, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, you know that'll be that'll be the maiden voyage once you, once we get all once we get the shakedown done. So yeah, we we got to do it. So we're writing that down. Uh, thanks to everybody for bringing the questions tonight. We're gonna make Ken Rodenhouse from YouTube our winner. And Ken, if you can uh, message us through Facebook. Uh, just send us a private message with your address. We'll get out a package to you. For Trevor Sumption, I'm Chris Larson. Thanks again so much for joining us tonight and bringing some great questions. I hope uh, we answered a bunch of questions for you tonight. But again, if you've got more questions, you can go to the Fishhawk Electronics website. We've got that chat feature there. You can go in there. And during the day, the guys are on there all the time answering questions. If you ask after hours, it'll be the next day before you get your answer. But uh, during the day, uh, there's always people on uh, answering questions so thanks so much to trevor and thanks for everybody for watching we will see you next week 
Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.